The following audio is via a Skype call. So me and you are pretty much friends by now, right? Yes. So you got my back and everything? What? Never mind. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up. And of course, we're always lucky to have with us the tall guy, Nathan Miller at the board. Nathan, how are you today, sir? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And boy, what a weekend in sports, isn't it? Oh, are you talking about releasing the Kraken? That and uh, what's all changing with the baseball, too, in the major leagues. Uh, quite a different season we're going to be seeing this time around. Yes, yes. It was tragic to see that foul ball strike a cardboard fan in the stands the other night. <laughs> I was hoping you would hit that balloon that went on to Dodgers Field. That would have been funny. Yeah. Let me tell you sometime about Morgan Rain if you want to talk about balloons in Dodger Stadium. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. I'm an old timer. I remember these things. Made the news, you know. So we are here today. Happy to have you with us, Nathan. And we're going to be talking to one of our fan favorites and also a lady who has befriended us, or did we befriend her? It's that kind of... It was a radio- mutual defri- yeah. befriending. We've been on her boat. I That's can true. tell you that. That's true. And she, it's just wonderful to talk to Malia Jacobs, who has so much to offer. And so much of it, Suzanne, is rooted in her personal experience. She loves life, lives to love, challenges like torpedoes, be damned. That's Whenever I look at Malia and listen to her talk, that's the impression I get. We, When we were talking about this show, we were talking about overcoming things and moving forward. And she's the perfect person for that. Malia Jacobs is a Seattle-based intuitive consultant who provides insights, medical intuition, and mental performance consulting for highly visible and conscientious peak performers, including entrepreneurs, athletes, and creatives in every discipline. Much more to be said about her, but let us bring her on. Hello, Malia. Good to have you with us today. Hello, Gary and Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me back again. It's a delight to be here. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I have to do a little cleanup here. (laughs) I have to tell one on myself here. Oh, Lord. A very good, spiritually mature, and thoroughly lovely person by the name of Morgan Rain who is a religious science practitioner. She has a wonderful spiritual practice going and makes friends wherever she goes. Morgan Rain, I haven't talked to her in years. She was a good friend of mine and a very good influence when I joined Center for Spiritual Living Seattle back in 1996 and stayed there for quite a while. It's where I met Suzanne. And I send my best to Morgan Rain along with my apologies because I made a joke about Dodger Stadium. And I'll just tell that one real quick. It's not Morgan Rain. She was nowhere near the place. She was probably oh, in Louisiana. Wrong name. Wrong huh? name. Yes. So the wrong name. She was probably in Louisiana at the time this was going on. But there was a lady, Morgana Roberts, who made national news every now and again by jumping onto the field before she was escorted off by security at Dodger Stadium 
she was, shall we say, a buxom lady, and she made it her business to run onto the field and would run up. I think it was Wes Parker, the old first baseman, magnificent first baseman, could have been another athlete, but she would run onto the field and try to plant a kiss on them. And in so doing, it was a publicity stunt, great for her. And they, of course, they would kick her out for doing this kind of thing, but the crowd would roar because they knew exactly what was coming. She loved baseball players, particularly the Dodgers, and her claim to fame, if nothing else, was that she would jump onto the field and get an embrace as long as they were willing from this or that baseball player. And I seem to recall the first baseman, Wes Parker, perennial gold glove winner, was her favorite. And so my apologies to Morgan Rain, dear lady, hope you are well. And Morgana Roberts, thank you for the images wherever you are. So here we are talking to Malia Jacobs, who of course would never run onto the field to kiss any baseball players because the world comes running to her. And Malia, when you attract so many people to yourself, I think it's because you do have magnetism, you do have charisma, but you also, and I think this operates at the vibrational level, you have so much life experience that would have sunk a lot of people. I think it's fair to say, but you're the fighting kind and you have made a wonderful life for yourself. And you've done it on the basis of your principles, your strength of character, and your willingness to say no to negativity in just about any circumstance in which you find yourself. So are you fighting the COVID-19 successfully? Um, I wouldn't say fighting, but I am embracing that. And this is going to sound, hear me out here. <laughs> I know that all of this stuff is happening for us and not to us. And I know that's really easy for me to say on my houseboat not having COVID-19 myself, um, and that is the consciousness that I hold. As Joseph Campbell said, how do we undertake with joy the sorrows of the world? So I can hold a disciplined state of consciousness, yet I can still be out there and holding space for other people who are, you know, on the front lines of COVID, or I, and I feel like we can't talk about COVID without talking about Black Lives Matter. So that population is getting served. So that's how I'm holding space for COVID. Well, very good. I'm fighting. I'm, I'm holding space for it to be and then be gone. Well, you know, and you're the first person to use that phrasing in this context, Malia. So let me ask you, it's come up on this show before, and as is always the case with such things, we're free to speculate. We don't know for sure, but it's sure interesting to talk about. Do you feel that, given that a virus is a competing life form that has, if not predatory, at least parasitic instincts because it wants to propagate itself, it lives to do that, whatever else its agenda might be, it wants to keep spreading itself around and to survive in the human community. With that being the case, do you feel that there is in any sense a spiritual dimension to the fact of COVID-19, to this unique coronavirus, which has objectives that, as far as I can tell, have nothing to do with religion or punishing anyone or imposing itself on humanity to do anything except keep on growing? Amen to that. So, yes, I would say uh, that is that disciplined state of consciousness that is the spiritual aspect. However, <laughs> I 
myself am mindful of not wanting to, you know, spiritually bypass what's going on on the planet. I don't want to, you know, be like the monk leaping from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop and completely bypassing, you know, the valleys of life. It's all about the, I'm a non-dualist, so there's, it's um, yin and yang. There's, there's the contrast that we get to have. That's how we get to, you know, appreciate the high highs. We get to have the lower lows. And my job is, in, is with what I do is help folks have a, um, higher valleys or higher, higher troughs of the wave and, and higher peaks of the wave as well. So within all of that, um, you know, ambling through life, I, I talk to the bacteria in, in, our, in my body, uh, parasites, any kind of anything. And as long as I'm just as I did when I started as an animal communicator 26 years ago, they're, you know, beings that are in our bodies. Our bodies are made up of these types of things, our gut biome, for example. So I'm no stranger to talking to, let's say, the Lyme disease that's been in my body since I was born. So in that way, I think it is spiritual. But that, that's just my, you know, my perspective on it. My, of course, my opinion would be that it's a spiritual thing because I'm talking to those, those types of things, parasites, bacteria, and there's the harmony. That's a, a disciplined state of consciousness that I hold is harmony or unity. As long as the lime, for example, is down to a dull roar in my body, I'm okay if it stays there. Just don't, don't slow me down. <laughs> you know, get, get out of my way, and I'll just keep doing my thing. And same would be with COVID. If I were to be uh, COVID positive, which I was in the ER a couple weeks ago, they put me in the COVID unit. I had two COVID-like symptoms, and uh, I, was, I was in the COVID ward, and it is no joke. So um, I was talking to my body and all the different things, elements in my body. Um, and they did the swab test and they called me later, said I was negative. I, I know in my knower that I know that I'm negative, yet they were still going through all the motions. So had I, let's say I did test positive for COVID-19, I would talk to it in my I, body. Yeah. I, I you know, I do understand that. You yes. know what I mean, Suzanne? Right? Well, I do. Well, I get it, too. Yeah, I've been, Gary's talked to his body before, and, and I talked to my body in the middle of the night last night because generally I don't get up in the middle of the night, and then two nights in a row I did. And so on the third night when I found myself awake, I didn't even open my eyes. I just said, no, no, it's time to sleep. Go back to sleep. And, and I did. So I, I didn't want to leave the bed, get up, wander around, you know, do anything like that. And I just told my body, it, it's time to sleep. So you better do that. Do, I, do I do you ever get specific with either organs or tissues or cells or DNA or molecules or bacteria or parasites? Or do you get that specific or is it the whole body overall? I was talking to my bladder. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty. We're, we're oh. waiting till the morning. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I you didn't know, want there's... to get up in the middle of the night. I just don't want to stumble around in the dark like that. But you know, do you do, do you have, do you get any them. insight about the coronavirus or or COVID nineteen 
from any animals that you have been in communication with the last few months? Um, nothing. I have not asked specifically any type of animals that I am around. I have a horse myself, so I have not asked her specifically about, you know, coronavirus. Um, first thing is because they don't have the thinker that us humans have. They don't have the thinking, the prefrontal cortex. So they operate with the two parts of the brain where us humans, <laughs> blessing or a curse or a little of both, we have our thinkers. So I can definitely, you know, tune in and ask any animal or plant or rock or anything or a, a deva of, the, of Seattle or the United States, what is your take on uh, coronavirus? I, I just haven't done that specifically with any animal. I have a question for you, Malia. Yeah. Do you believe, based on your experience and whatever data you've been able to collect, sift it however you may, have you come to at least the tentative conclusion that animal consciousness survives in much the same way as human consciousness is said to survive the death of our body? I've had people, I'll just tell you very quickly, I've had two different yeah. mediums at two different <laughs> times communicate to Suzanne, who was getting the reading, I wasn't even in the room. There, yeah. And these two different mediums said, tell Gary that he's got a cat around him. Okay? Now, to be precise, that happened when, uh, Suzanne, when you had a reading one time from a, a very well-known East Coast uh, medium. And he said, Gary's got this cat around him. And uh, the other time actually was in a church service. It was a spiritualist atmosphere. Suzanne was with me now that I think of it, and I was told that there was a cat around me playing around uh, my feet and jumping up and down on my lap and, and just wandering around me. And the medium said he usually doesn't even work with animals. He doesn't report on any of that, but it was very pronounced in my case. So with that being the case, I go, well, the hopeful side of me wants to believe that all of life has not only purpose, but has a place to go when it ceases to physically function. And you would make my day if you said, yes, you yeah. know yeah. for certain that animals do survive and that they can communicate. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, to your point, I, I, was, I would be curious to know uh, the sports teams that were playing when that was said, that there was a cat around you. I'm wondering if one of the sports teams was the Lions or something along those lines. Just food for thought. But let's get back to your original question because – just the other day, my um, brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, Don and Mia, lost their beloved um, dog. And uh, I said, in, in two weeks' time, let's, you know, get uh, together on the phone. They live back um, back east. And, you know, I do my consulting work over the phone. Um, and I said, let's wait two weeks because I don't – I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. I don't even – know how I'm able to do what I do. I just keep doing it, you know, and I get good results. So I just keep showing up and doing it and doing it. And do it. But if I try to explain what's going on, it's probably not what's happening anyway. So here's what I believe. I believe we all go back from whence we came. Everything is energy. And I wait two weeks with animals only and only with animals because not with humans who have made their transition. The animals, I don't know, but here's what I think may be going on is there is an acclimation period of sorts. I, I don't really know. But th this two-week window of time is allows the animal to do some... I've tried to connect with animals who have made their transition like the day after or the same day. This is years ago. 
and it, it wasn't the level of information wasn't as uh, I wasn't getting as much information. It wasn't they just seemed a little off. So I said, you know, maybe let's wait. So we waited a couple weeks, and that was the pattern and the cadence that I kind of kept up with. So in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be getting on the phone or probably a teleconferencing service and with my brother and sister-in-law back east um, and talked with them about their animal who has, you know, the veil has lifted. I, and I do believe, and this has been my experience um, my whole life with my dad being a vet, my uncle being a vet and being around animals. My, one of my first memories is holding this little blue-eyed German Shepherd dog that had parvovirus. And I just sat in a little box with that dog. I was probably a puppy, probably three years old. And the, the story goes that I cured blue eyes of parvovirus. I don't know what I was doing at the time. Now, I know now <laughs> what was happening. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I believe that they go back to the to the to the all in all in all in all in all that that which is beyond all names. I, I that's beautifully can't even said. Put a name to it, <laughs> it just goes back. And then what I connect with is the personality, the the characteristics, the um, the information, the insights, and then the depth of wisdom that come from animals that have made their transition, and also people who have made their transition is has had me weeping, weeping during session time sometimes because of it. It's so profound. It's so moving. It's so, I'm going to tear up just thinking about it. It's so remarkable. It's so humbling. Yes. It's that kind of bond that we have formed as a species or, or in an interspecies way going back how many thousands of years? I, I think to the idea of symbiosis, for example, you know, cats didn't have to be domesticated. We could say definitionally that, yes, they had to be because they were. <laughs> they should be domesticated because they are. Yeah. And I find that, you know, if you're in a situation where you're out in the desert in a tent and you have rats all over the place and they're taking away your food and being a pest, then you have cats beyond that who want to come in and get the rats. And if you are not forbidding toward the cats and you actually welcome them, somebody had the bright idea, cats like to kill and eat rats. All right, so we won't kill the cats or chase them off. The cats make their home with us, see that we are not a threat to them under those circumstances. They clean out the rat population, keeps them busy, and we're able to accumulate food and store it and enjoy it appropriately. And the next thing you know, you've got Fluffy, to go along with Fido, uh -huh. et cetera, and you have a, a an interspecies bond. And it's it might be true to such an extent, Malia, that I, I wonder sometimes that this one afterlife researcher whose work I read years ago might be true. He said that in the case of the animal kingdom, if we have formed a bond with a particular animal, typically cat or dog, but there are others as well, as we all know. Like a horse. Well, it could horse. very well be a yeah. horse, a rabbit, <laughs> you name it. The list goes on and on. There, once you form that bond with them, they know that you care for them, you care about them, and you demonstrate this caring, it becomes unconditional love. And so when they pass, opined this researcher, when they pass, they will remain close to you, bonded in essence to you until 
nobody is around to think of them as an individual among a species anymore. And when there's no one around who remembers them, no one around who cares about them, who loved them, then they go back to, as was revealed to him, a kind of pool of animal energy where they go to the vibration and the frequency that belongs to that species or that genus. And until then, they are free to remain in some kind of spiritual form near their owner on the basis of that unconditional love. I thought that was a pretty cool way of looking at it. That's fascinating. Um, who's the researcher? You're going to ask me, and I, in fact, you just did ask me, and I don't <laughs> I have, know. I, I have forgot. Google. <laughs> it seems to me, I remember him being a professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara, as I recall. I don't know if he's still in academia or not there, but if I can come up with that during this hour, I will provide that to you. I'm just trying to remember okay. the title of his book. It was fascinating, though, because it gave me hope that when I'm told that a cat is around me. I know which one it is. Her name is Missy, and she died in 1991. And I am telling you the truth. I have not gone a day since without thinking lovingly of her. We had that kind of bond. It was wonderful to have her around, rambunctious though she could be. But she was just a blast as a cat to have around in my life. And so I like to think that, you know, when I cross the Rainbow Bridge, I hope she's there waiting for me. Yep, and that's what I told my sister-in-law was I know that Kamala is across the Rainbow Bridge and she is also right next to you. So that's what I would say to you is Missy is across the Rainbow Bridge and right next to you, right, right with you. I think that's terrific. It's I, I just have that image of her many times throughout the day. I feel that close to her all these years later. There And yet, you know, I'll find myself talking to her. I tell you, Suzanne's going to throw a net over me sometime. That's coming. <laughs> throw a net over you? Yeah. I'm talking to a cat. I talk to my body. What, what else do you talk to? What do you got? <laughs> well, interesting. I want to circle back to what you were saying about the, um, you know, symbiosis and cats and that kind of, uh, arrangement that was made with the cats and the mice and all that it yes. reminded me and it makes the very good point of how I was trying to articulate how I am with COVID or any other type of bacteria or anything else and it reminds me of a, a workshop I'll never forget it I did it um, on Orcas Island at Camp Andrelia and it was with Dorothy McLean. You probably know who that is, one of the three co-founders of the Findhorn community of Scotland. And we did, you know, it was a deep dive intensive with her. And she relayed the story about how when they first got there, it was Sandy, it was near the beach. They talked with the deva, uh, the overarching, you know, essence or I don't know what she would call it other than deva the Dave of the rats and the rats had been eating food from their garden. So they got with the Dave of the rats or like the, the spokesperson, the, sp the spokes rat. I don't know. I sound like it's like, I'm okay. This does have a point. So they talked to the, to the overarching, you know, spokes rat basically and said, Hey, we're going to put some food over here for you. You can eat this food to your heart's content. It will always be full. And then you can eat that food, and then this food is for us. And that was the agreement. And for the entire time that they were there, that's what was happening. 
And then when they left the property, they told the, the new people, hey, we have this arrangement. This is how it works. And they did not maintain that. And so you can guess what happened. The rats went back into the garden and ate the food. Malia, do you think there's a, a difference between saying something out loud and just saying it in your mind when it comes to communicating with the, you know, the, the viruses or the animals or the rocks or anything like that? Can you just be thinking something or it, it, does it give that's, it any extra oomph a, to say it out loud? That's a really good question. Um, I would say that, first of all, whatever you believe is true, that's going to be true for you. This okay. is what I believe. I believe that we can talk to them without opening our mouths, and I, that's how animals communicate with one another. They don't, you know, necessarily have to open their mouths to communicate with one another, and they can communicate from, you know, miles and miles away, like whales and dolphins and, you know, I could go on and on. Same with humans. Um, so, however, when we say things out loud, I feel like there's more of a, hmm, it's a bolder statement. It's like the difference between an affirmation and a declaration. If I were to say some affirmations, you know, t in, in my head, that's one thing. But if I declare something and I speak it out loud, I speak it into being, there's something profound about that. So that's two different topics I know, and that's my... <laughs> That's how I would answer that question. Does that help? Um, yes, it does. Because, you know, when you are, are desiring to communicate, whether it's to something outside yourself or even yourself, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm wondering about that difference because I've, I've read and heard before that, you know, you want to say your affirmations out loud and, and I've, I've been curious about, you know, does it really make a difference whether you say them to yourself quietly or you say them out loud? And um, so I just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, I would say out loud with feeling, looking at yourself in the mirror if you can, <laughs> and multiple times in a row. Because mm. our bodies, you know, our bodies have like their, its own intelligence. So yes, I, and apparently- I feel like it's really powerful. I mean, look yeah, at what Tony Robbins does before he goes on stage. He gets on the rebounder and he bounces up and down. It's a physical kind of state of being that we manufacture the energy before we go out and radiate on stage or on the radio or, you know, out at Pike Place Market or, you know, with people. It, it's that manufactured energy. So it, it takes oomph to say something out loud. It just takes more. There's more energy behind it. So I think the outcome is going to be bigger and broader and deeper. I like that what you're talking about, about manufacturing energy. We're going to go ahead and take our first and only break of this hour. And I want to find out what use we can make with that manufactured energy when it comes to our health and well-being when we come back after the break. So give us a couple of minutes. We are grateful you're listening to Manson Mitchell. We'll be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. 
If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, when disaster erupts, when disease rages, when communities collapse under crisis, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. We go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most. In nearly 70 countries, we're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission. Your response is critical to our response in places where a few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Tori Ryder with a discussion about powerful women in the news today. Misogynists, beware. On Saturday, Tanya and Joey Medea, paranormal researchers, have helpful hints about how to live in a haunted house. Rattle those chains. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. That's Jacob's Ladder, Huey Lewis and the News. We are talking with Malia Jacobs, step by step, rung by rung. Malia, if people would like to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do it through social media, website, all that good stuff? I would say... Uh, website, MaliaJacobs.com. There you go. That would be the place to go. The, the go-to Easy place. Peasy. That is for sure. Uh, I do want to take a moment because I know many of our listeners will be intrigued. I found the title of the book to which I referred when we were discussing Afterlife and Animal Energy. And so, uh, Malia, if you don't mind, I'll tell everyone about this yeah. book uh, just uh, momentarily. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful book that I read. I ordered the Kindle version, so that's available. I got it back in 2013, and I still remember it for its wise, reasoned approach to any notion of the afterlife. The book is called The Afterlife Unveiled, What the Dead Are Telling Us About Their World. 
I mean, can you imagine? The Afterlife Unveiled, What the Dead Are Telling Us About Their World. The author is a gentleman by the name of Stafford Betty. B-E-T-T-Y, that's, that's his surname, Stafford Betty. And he takes rather an academic approach without being dry in his presentation of this material. And he seeks to answer the question, what happens to us when we die? Fascinating work. I see uh, currently you can get it on Kindle for $8.99. It is a wise investment, but you could always get a free sample if you want to just uh, go over a few pages of it to find out what it might hold for you. The Afterlife Unveiled, What the Dead Are Telling Us About Their World. Stafford Betty, B-E-T-T-Y. Really fascinating stuff, and it gives me a lot of hope, Malia, that when we do lay down these bodies, we're not extinguished like a candle. There's something beyond it, and I am perfectly prepared to believe it. But I look at it still, even after all the shows we've done on this subject and all the mediums I've met, there is that little inner skeptic within me that says, well, what if all this is not a ruse necessarily, but a mirage? What if it turns out that we're really just one and done, that's it, kaput? And then I tell myself, if that's the worst thing that happens to me, it beats going to fire and brimstone. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Malia, I wanted to get back to where we left things off at the break when you were talking about manufacturing energy. I made a note of it because I, I became intrigued about the idea when we are talking with people who are having their energy diminished their energy is being sapped over the worry and anxiety of COVID-19, over the protests, over what is happening in our government. And, and so I, I think in my mind, we really need to have boosted energy, energy boosting going on in order to keep our immune systems up, in order to keep our, our mental health uh, good and, and so I'm, when you're talking about manufacturing energy, I wanted you to say a little bit more about that. Great. This is one of my areas of uh, passion. So when I'm talking about manufacturing energy, it's, it's that exchange. It's happening right now. It's happening a lot of the time. So there's a short little thing that I've come up with to describe what I'm fixing to tell you all about. And it goes like this, insulate, elevate, radiate, repeat. So because I have the experience of some health issues or, you know, I'm cleaning up a few of the remaining ones, <clears throat> I do spend a fair amount of time in the top two of them. So insulate and elevate. Insulate, the big insulation is sleep. Another insulation, you know, think about self-soothing, the ways that we insulate ourselves from, from uh, the outside world or other people's places and spaces so i'll be insulated uh, insulating underneath my weighted blanket with my emotional support creature emo <laughs> um so that's a, a way to insulate um there's a, a, a variety of ways that we can insulate the point is is that we're not we're, we're kind of disengaging and recovering and restoring that energy so it starts to flow inward to us and it's not radiating outward. So we're, it's, it's the pulling forward. It's the pull. It's the pull of the energy in as we're insulating our minds, our bodies, our minds, our minds, bodies, and spirits. The next one is elevate, and that is elevate your consciousness. What we put our attention on increases. So um, 
you know, looking up, up for the signs, looking uh, at reading books that lift your spirits or watching, uh, this is going to sound a little ridiculous, but like the highlight reel from like America's Got Talent. I'll tune into that when I'm feeling a little cattywampus, like a 10 minute, you know, highlight reel. I can't not like be moved or have my, you know, my mindset elevated when I see Susan Boyle belt out that tune or whatever it is. Like I can listen to music and go to my imaginal world and I'm doing whatever I want. And I focus on the feeling that's the elevation of the consciousness. And then the radiating is what, I'm doing right now and what the two of you are doing right now. And I would be radiating if I was, you know, going to, you know, Fremont market or to PCC, I would be out there in the world radiating. And if I, if we were all just radiating all the time and, and sending, you know, transferring that energy all the time, that's not sustainable. So I came up with this little thing for myself that I share with clients and other people that helps me to do this sustainably because if we don't, if we're not, if we're just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, we, we're not, we can't give away what we don't have. So to do it sustainably, it's insulate, elevate, radiate, repeat. And so sometimes it's insulate, elevate, insulate, elevate, insulate, elevate. And that's, you know, before a big radiating experience, like a, a week long something or a two day something, something. I will prepare, you know, the week or up to two weeks in advance, I'll start to kind of insulate and elevate, insulate and elevate, insulate and elevate, and then radiate because I'm giving energy to other people. Well, I, I like want, that. I want to be mindful. Yeah. It's the right kind of energy. It's the right, t- right, you know, I want to be mindful about the higher level of energy. So I'm not transferring, you know, ho-hum, da-da-da, or something really tragic or sad not that i want to rob anyone of any of their feelings the big you know full spectrum of the human experience like i don't want to rob myself from that however there are things that we can do to help us manufacture the type of energy we want to be manufacturing mindfully purposefully that kind of thing and it works with people works with animals across the board I can be working uh, for most of a day either on a project or, you know, cleaning or doing something, and I'll find that I'm generally going to be in one space, and then if we sit down to dinner and put on a comedy, I'll, I'll notice I'm laughing for the first time, but I'm really laughing. I mean, when something catches my funny bone and I'm just hysterically laughing over something, I notice that it feels different. And I I remembered that um, there there was the the gentleman, I want to say it was a gentleman, who was um, curing himself in the hospital by watching comedies all day long. And, and so the news being what it is, I mean, the news is, is really horrific, no matter what your topic. Um, you know, I think that to, to take a little time out, don't be guilty about taking a time out to laugh, because I feel like that's going to boost your immune system as well, to just get a good belly laugh going. And things, in addition to being unbelievably tragic, they're also yeah. very funny if you look at it from another point of view. It's like how ridiculous these times that we're living in. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, we, it's the whole spectrum of emotions, and we get to have all of those emotions and express them. Otherwise, they're going to keep shopping our bodies, and the body keeps the score, which is a great book by Bessel van der Kolk um, about trauma and our bodies. They, we hold on to that stuff. So all these protests, all the energy in the collective, there I, you know, I do a lot of energy work for myself, for clients, for, you know, friends and family. It's very, um, you know, I, I don't want to not have all the feelings. So if I'm laughing hysterically about something, I'm going to give myself permission to laugh. Even in the midst of, you know, back to the Joseph Campbell quote, how do we undertake with joy the sorrows of the world? Yes, I can, you know, have this type of energy or this type of energy and I get to be mindful that I'm choosing the energy that I want to then kind of prime the pump for more of. Well, I, I like that you say doom and right. gloom all the time. I mean, right. And I, like I'm working with a lot of people on the front lines and they're, you know, they're geared up in their PPE and yeah. it's, it's, it's taking a toll. So I get to be a, a soft place to land and then delete all the effects of that stuff for them with the energy work. Well, I like that you say permission to laugh, allowing yourself to laugh and and maybe beyond uh, permission or even allowing uh, scheduling yourself yeah, to laugh, <laughs> encouraging a laugh in the middle of all of whatever else is going on. I was watching a lot of news about the the uh, COVID-19 the other day, and I got a call from a girlfriend that set me on such a laugh track because in order to avoid going in stores, she's been trying to get a, a bra by mail. And she said she bought six different bras and sent six different bras back. Yes, yes. She sent six bras back by mail and finally the seventh one fit. But in telling this story, package after package, bra after bra, and none of them fitting right, and she doesn't want to go into a store to try them all on, I became hysterical on, on the I, I phone. Think that's, your body's, you know, crying out to laugh, to yes. let, let the emotions yeah. out, because in the laughter, it's not just the laughter, it's, it's energy, it's all energy. So we're calling it laughter. It is laughter. It's fun. It's funny. And it's energy that's getting expelled. It's good. It's great. It's fabulous. Even like a pity party. I'll allow myself to, you know, feel self-pity for half a day or maybe an hour. But then I'll, I'll, and I'll keep feeling those feelings and then move on through the day. Because if yes. we stop breathing or, you know, we're a nation of shallow breathers and breath holders. If we start to feel even good feelings like laughter we start to oh i'm not supposed to be laughing right now or oh, oh i gotta dial this down or who am i to be you know like the funny one of the bunch or you know we just get conditioned especially right now to you know walk on eggshells or be do be do and have things that other people think you know like what other people think of us is not of our business I know I'm tying a lot of things together in one fell swoop, but all of that is to say we get to be awake and aware at choice and feel all of our feelings. If we don't, it's robbing other people of feeling their own feelings, and it's not yeah. setting the tone for ourselves at all. Yeah. I'm curious that. about for this idea of perforce having to manage our feelings. 
A few moments ago, Malia, you said something about working with people on the front lines. I give some thought to that about every day, and I wonder, these doctors and nurses, technicians, when they get a day off, and those are probably hard to come by during a pandemic, but when they do have any time off at all, be it hours or a day, I think of it not so much as a respite, in their case, as a reprieve. I cannot imagine the emotional burden they have sustained by being up close and personal with death on a large and relentless scale, yeah. and that much sickness around them, even though they work in hospitals, but still, this is, this is special. And then yeah. they go home and they have meals to prepare, they have kids to look after in many cases, they might have a partner, a spouse, and then maybe the very next day, they have to go right back in. That is the measure of courage. Oh, yeah. And some of them can't even go home to their, you know, spouses and children. So they're completely isolated. And then you've got the, you know, protesting and government and, you know, it's a lot of layered stuff. And I think, you know, as humans are can be really hard on ourselves. Yeah, especially well, you, women. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just conditioned to like have that. I have a name for it. I won't say it now, but um, you know, it's uh, it's like just that chatter. Well, the average there is, person has sixty to eighty thousand thoughts per day. Most of those are on the unconscious level. So that's what's writing the show. Well, and I and I think that, that what we've been looking at, you described really well when you call it layered because we do have all these layers from the for the very very personal you know our willingness or unwillingness to leave where we're living to go out in the world all the way to the the global pandemic and and everything in between talk about your layer cake there you got a 100 layer layer cake yeah. and 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 so many things to have to try to deal with and you know before the pandemic it seemed like everything was at least somewhat manageable. Well, I can manage this and I can manage that. We were we were being managers of our lives to the best that we could, managers of our finances, managers of our health. All of a sudden the pandemic comes and everything gets tossed on its head. And it, now it doesn't feel so much like we're managing things as we're just trying to survive everything. A lot of coping. Yep. A lot of coping is happening. You know, numbing out, eating, anything to not feel all the feelings that are going on on the planet. Not just our own, but everybody's. That's yes. a lot of energy that's going on on the planet with not just people, animals too, trees, everything. Everything is being, you know, we're, it's, it, we're all connected. I just, heard that or learned last year that at this fish hatchery way up in Alaska off the beaten path that the trees have salmon DNA in them that's how you know really connected the planet is yep the would that be around Ketchikan has, no it's I don't even know where it is I was on a boat <laughs> up there in the um inlet passage uh southwest uh Alaska passage that is amazing yeah, it, it's. I guess the people that work there, it's a seasonal thing. So they go there and live on site for six, seven months at a time. So I was, you know, blessed enough to go on this uh, 
you know, adventure cruise. This was, of course, last year. Uh, a friend gifted me a, a week-long trip with her and uh, it, got to work with bears and the raptors and, you know, learn more about our planet. Oh, that's a privileged uh, glimpse into reality, into the biosphere. That's for yeah. sure. And there are those with proper motives. I, I used to manage apartments, and I remember one guy came in. And I don't think he actually rented from me, but we had a nice talk when he came for a visit. And he told me that he was looking for a place short term. That's probably why we couldn't rent to him with our six-month minimum requirement. But he said he was going to go out on a boat for three months in season up to Alaska and he was going to make, he hoped at that time, we're going back to the early 90s, about $50,000 in a pretty <laughs> short time, but a short and perilous time battling the elements. You can see that watching TV. And he was going to come back and put a serious down payment on a house. Well, I don't think one summer would do it in Seattle today, real estate being what it is. <laughs> but I had to admire his grit and his courage, frankly, because he was going to risk his life in order to come away with a nice little haul of cash that he could use to have a home in Puget Sound. And there are still people who think that way today. And I just think of them as, as uh, not to be grandiose about it, but in a way they remind me of existential heroes in some novel about you against the world, the greater forces of life, and who's gonna win. Yeah, very Jack Kerouac. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> or um, who's the fella from uh, Into the Wild? Christopher Canlis. I'm less familiar with him. Um, Sean Penn uh, directed the film with, oh, the actor about the gentleman who uh, he dropped out. And he went off to Alaska with, I don't know, less than 10 bucks in his pocket. And they just removed the school bus, I think, last month or two, a couple months ago. I saw that um, on TV. Yeah, yeah, did you see? Yeah, that was um, my 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 mister told me about that. I think it was. My, people my people were, they, they, were people were dying trying to reach the school bus as a destination, yeah. so they took the school bus out. Oh of yes, there. that's right. Yeah, safety safety first. I'm sure. Yeah. Interesting yeah, he, story. Just yeah, reminded me of that um, of that book and his whole story. There are people who will make their way in the world one way or another, and seemingly, it's it seems effortless. Though I doubt that's really the case. But they managed to throw caution to the wind. I never thought I'd be bringing this up to you. Malia, but I look with awe and a horrified fascination on the story of the grizzly man. Speaking of going up to Alaska, oh, yeah. living around well. grizzlies and, and yeah. was ultimately consumed by one, for yeah. God's sake. There, But there was a man that just didn't think much of society. He found more kinship with the grizzlies. Yep, and they found some with him <laughs> at the end. So you must have seen uh, the... Uh, Werner Herzog documentary, Grizzly Man, yeah? Yes, About yes, we did. Yeah. yeah, I've watched that, oh, countless times. I always find it, uh, mm, I guess, fascinating or interesting that the director wouldn't let the um, Timothy's friend watch the footage from the uh, video camera. 
at the very, very Was end. this a, when, a former girlfriend? Yeah, there? when the girlfriend very reluctantly went up there with him that one last summer, and there was that rogue grizzly that um, they believe uh, he had gotten some video from, of that bear, and then that, that was the bear that actually took their lives. And so, uh, yes, he also watched, did not watched, want this. Listen to all of it. It was really not um, video. It was a video camera, audio, but it audio. was only audio yeah. that was caught. So he listened to the whole thing and then recommended to the woman who owned it, his best friend who kept things for him, don't ever read, burn this, burn this. This is not going to be beneficial for you to listen to this or anyone to listen right, to it. Right. Never listen to this. And that's so harrowing there yeah. to remember that. People living these extraordinary lives and taking it to such extremes. I know I couldn't come within a country mile of that sort of experience, wouldn't want to, but it fascinates me that there are human beings who are willing to take that kind of a risk. Here in Sarasota County, you've heard the name Nick Walenda, the high wire <laughs> walker. But he'll take a, you know, a nice walk across the Grand Canyon, his toes clinging to a thin wire. And I think, why, dude? I mean, and maybe he would say, why not? It's there to be done. And that yep. just shows the vast array of human mentality, the spectrum of it, because this is something, of course, I wouldn't contemplate in a million years. And he practices to do this sort of thing pretty much year round. Yeah. That it reminds me of people that scale Everest. It's like I've, I was, I'll never forget being at a function and someone said, yeah, I scaled Everest. And immediately there was this big chasm like right in between the two of us because I was like, I would never ever in a million want to do that. <laughs> yeah. But, but tell me what it was like. I want to know. Well, well I or enjoy like the, talking. The, the, the yes. wingsuit flyers like Jeb Corliss and yeah. that kind of stuff. I would never do that, but watch his story and watch all about it. I'll, I'll do that all the long day. And we're thinking of you evil Knievel, wherever you are. <laughs> That's right. Amazing people. Malia, you, you fight your own existential battles and you help us do the same. We're always grateful to have you with us. We'd love to have you back. As this continues, we're in a unique experience, this generation, and we would like to look through the implications, the repercussions with you in hopefully a helpful way the next time you come on to Manson Mitchell. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, and I like the, uh, the pithy wisdom of insulate, elevate, radiate, and repeat. I, yeah. I took notes about that, and I think that's great advice for people who are trying to figure out the best way to cope during these difficult times. Insulate, elevate, radiate, and repeat. Thank you so much for being with oh. us today, Malia. My pleasure. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And coming up next is Jupiter rising. It's rising again. Oh, Every yeah. week with her, it's rising. It's right. Eileen Grimes and Doug Johnston up next on 1150 KKNW Seattle. Have yourselves a safe and enjoyable weekend, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.